for listening to the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. And today we are highlighting the push to raise the minimum wage from its current $10.10. We are replaying a discussion from back in February at the start of the legislative session. We aren't taking any calls for today's show, but you can share your feedback by calling our talkback line, 808-792-8217. What can you buy for 10 bucks? Two gallons of unleaded gas, a gallon of milk, but mm, that's not enough for a plate lunch anymore. Maybe a mini if you're lucky, but you might have to settle for a few musubi. That's how far $10 goes these days. Not far at all. All indications are there is enough support to pass something this year. The governor has expressed his support. Ditto for leadership in both houses. The devil is in the details. Our guests today are Nate Hicks, Director of Living Wage Hawaii, and Jensen Ahokovi, Research Associate at Grassroot Institute of Hawaii. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm really happy that you're able to carve out some time for us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And, Nate, you want to start out? I mean, set the stage. You know, what are the bills that are making their way through the session? Yeah, so uh, we feel very fortunate uh, that the Senate has already come out and passed through their entire chamber um, a bill to raise the minimum wage uh, gradually to $18 an hour by 2026. Um, That's great news. Um, You know, $18 is what's already needed for a full-time worker to make ends meet um, already today. Uh, And so this will at least get us to that level uh, in a few years, which would be a a big help to a a lot of working families. And then as far as the House? Yeah, so the House drafted a few bills. Speaker Psyche before session had been speaking often about how he wanted an $18 minimum wage. And the bill that uh, is sitting uh, that they had drafted looks to get there by uh, the year 2030. Okay, so just uh, later versus sooner. And Jensen, uh, you know, what's it been like as you've watched these first hearings on this, uh, the discussion about that? It's a passionate issue, I know, on both sides. Yeah, I'd just like to preface by saying that opposing minimum wage increases and, and really minimum wages in general does not mean that I nor anyone of similar opinion devalue the working community, especially here uh, in Hawaii. Um, what I've taken away from seeing a lot of the debate, actually really the lack of the debate over the potential consequences of the minimum wage um, has really, in a sense, infuriated me, particularly because what a significant amount of the literature indicates and what worries me and many economists is that many workers will consequently see themselves priced out of the labor market, whether it be through unemployment, hour reduction, the loss of benefits, Um, the transferring of costs onto consumers, uh, a smaller labor market if firms decide to shift locations to other low-cost regions, really a myriad of effects that can be a consequence of drastically raising the minimum wage as it is proposed here. Because effectively, what minimum wages do, and you can open up any basic economics textbook, what minimum wages do is it effectively makes the price of labor artificially expensive. And as a result, firms will respond in such a manner to offset the higher fixed costs associated with labor because of the fact that minimum wage has made it more expensive to seek out and hire additional labor. Well, we have a caller on the line. Sarah from Kailua, what's on your mind? Hello. Hello, good morning. My name is Sarah Vegas. I want to kind of note some potential benefits and pros and cons, and so immediately the ones that would take place would be uplifting people out of poverty, 
which would also support a reduction of the cost or need of federal and state expenditures on like financial aid, other services like that. It also would immediately increase morale of employees, which could lead to higher productivity for businesses, which would increase retention, decrease turnover, decrease cost of training. It also could provide increased generational education and access for families, which would over a period of time bring greater wealth for those families, communities, and for businesses. So it would provide a boost in economic growth and spending, um, retail spending as well. And some of the cons that immediate would be businesses may see inflation as they'll pass the cost on to consumers and maybe job loss at the low end. But that typically might not be a negative thing as you want to encourage young entrepreneurs and young individuals just coming into the working field to be able to hold those entry-level positions. And you'd like more senior workers and staff to be able to move up. Um, and then like, just one last thing to note is looking at some of the highest minimum wages. And according to CNBC, a recent report shows that the countries with the highest quality of living and to mimic those with the highest minimum wage, including Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, Norway, Germany as well. So that's what I'd like to share in support of raising a minimum wage. Thank you for your time. Aloha. Well, thank you so much for calling in. And, you know, he brings out a good point. He's looking at the global picture, not just here in Hawaii or across the country. Your thoughts, Nate? Uh, yeah, uh, I echo a lot of his thoughts and feelings. Raising the minimum wage has shown to bring tremendous benefit to the localities that implement them. Right. And you can even look here for an example. Right. We raised the minimum wage from seven dollars and twenty five cents in twenty fourteen to ten dollars and ten cents in twenty eighteen. And we've seen a lot of benefit out of it. Recent state study showed uh, that incomes for low wage workers raised substantially. There weren't any negative impacts to uh, employment levels. We actually had the record low unemployment over that time. And Workers were able to spend more. We saw the number of businesses locally increase during that time as well. And so there's a lot of negative comments about what potentially could happen. But here and definitely across the world, we've seen a lot of benefit coming from minimum wage increases. And Jensen, the caller brought out the point of other countries and what they've done there. What are your thoughts? Right. Yeah. So just to point out, things like the Nordic countries, the Nordic countries actually have no statutory minimum wage. The way minimum wage policy works in the Nordic countries is via collective bargaining agreements due to the strength of private sector unions over in the Nordic countries. So there actually is no minimum wage as far as law goes. You mentioned effects on poverty. As far as I'm aware, there really is no significant effect on poverty when you look at how minimum wages affect, depending on how you measure poverty. As far as the relationship of minimum wage increases in Hawaii, I'm not particularly convinced that we can tie some correlation with minimum wage increases and economic growth here in Hawaii, particularly because if you look at the history of minimum wage increases here, the first increase was in 92 from 385 to 475, and as Nate noted, most recently from 725 to 1010. And the reason why I think it's difficult to attribute or associate the minimum wage growth with the growth of the overall economy is particularly because we avoid any sort of exogeneity associated with such a statement in, in such a model. Right? So for example, to Nate's point, if you pair low-wage employment along with the various increases in the minimum wage, you'll find that his statement is actually fairly true. You'll see some correlation, but 
as you widen the time horizon, what you see is that there's actually very little effect in terms of the increase in those occupations. And this is likely attributed to the fact that it could be the case that the economy could have grown whether or not you increased the minimum wage or not. And another problem when you look at the data associated with minimum wage, especially here, is that it's largely total employment data, which means that it masks the possibility that high-wage industries could have been growing at a faster rate than low-wage industries. And if this is largely the case, that would actually indicate adverse employment effects on the low-wage industries as a result of the minimum wage. And we actually observe this nationally, that when you implement higher minimum wages, you actually tend to see faster growth in terms of high-skilled labor as opposed to low-skilled labor. And just because businesses and firms respond to incentives. And I think it's largely you know, erroneous to kind of assume that implementing the minimum wage, you know, businesses would just go on willy-nilly, they'll absorb the cost. No, right? Firms react to incentives. And I think this is what the legislature needs to be very wary of. And the lack of debate over these possible effects is what is really worrying me. If you're just joining us, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Our guests today are Nate Hicks, Director of Living Wage Hawaii, and Jensen Ahukovi, Research Associate, the Grassroots Institute of Hawaii. This is a rebroadcast of a call-in show, so no calls are being taken. You can share your perspective on raising Hawaii's minimum wage by writing to TalkBack at hawaiipublicradio.org or calling 808-792-8217. And, you know, we did get uh, some feedback from our listeners before we went on the air. We got this on our TalkBack line. I think with the higher wages, there'll be more people spending money, too. It's a trickle-down economy. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we got this email from a listener. As a small business owner in urban Honolulu, I believe the issue of wages is part of a bigger conversation here on Oahu. The uh, real estate market is such that an accountant told me having a retail storefront is not advisable unless you own the building. Rents here are high relative to how much business can be generated by a local clientele. I have no issue with paying a minimum of $15 per hour. In fact, if the minimum wage kept pace with inflation, we would be at $24 an hour. The working class are being squeezed by the wealth gap. Squabbling over minimum wage is the wrong argument. Humbly, Rumi Murakami Robertson. And we received this comment from our Facebook page. Malama Ohana says, of course, 100% yes. Patrick Filbert says, how will the state pay for it? Oh, right. Legislate businesses to do it, who then raise prices to compensate, which passes the cost on to customers, causing wage increases to get nullified. Econ 101, no matter how much people think that shouldn't be right or fair, especially in a state with the highest cost of living in the country, over 50% on welfare and a state government that actively stands in a do-nothing category. So very strong positions on on either side of this. Nate, are you hearing anything different this session than has been argued in the past? Uh, No, these are very, very similar arguments. Uh, Yeah, it's usually the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, you know, fortunately, um, you know, we're very glad that um, both nationally and here locally, um, the Democratic Party has come out uh, in strong support of raising the minimum wage, right? Um, the population here uh, overwhelmingly supports wage increases. And so at this point, it's just a matter of uh, making sure that the legislature acts on behalf of their constituents, make sure that they act uh, act in accordance with their Democratic Party platform, 
uh, because, you know, the data is pretty clear. Uh, raising wages does help workers. It's absolutely necessary. Uh, the cost of living here is through the roof. Um, and as long as we continue to um, middle in a low wage, uh, you're going to have massive amounts of people struggling to survive, which is currently the case. Um, we have tons of people uh, leaving the island because they can't afford to live here. Um, and if, you know, the fortunate uh, people remaining, we all know people who have had to leave, whether it's friends, family, uh, co-workers, whoever it might be. Um, and that's going to continue if we don't uh, make sure uh, the local jobs are paying enough to, to afford to live here. So, um, you know, uh, it's, it, it's pretty clear. Um, and fortunately, um, the population here uh, backs raising the minimum wage. Okay, we do have another caller on the line, also from Kailua. Richard, you have a story to share? Yeah, um, I'm not going to mention the name of the employer, but um, a long while ago, I I was working uh, at a, at a uh, one of the local tourist uh, touristy places, and uh, I was hired on. Uh, um, I was hired on at ten dollars an hour, and um, was told at the time that that wage would go up because my previous job had been higher. Uh, and they said it would be a couple months until uh, the wage increase happened. Four years later, uh, the only increase I ever got was the increase to 1010, and my boss tried to pass it off as a raise, mm. told me I should be thankful for that. Um, businesses, big businesses at least, will never do this on their own. They will, they just don't have a real reason to. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to, the, the arguments against minimum wage just don't pan out if you look at, if you look at uh, international data on, on this sort of thing. And yeah, I, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Well, it needs to change, and yeah. well, you get the idea. Yes. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing uh, that story. Uh, we have another caller on the line, uh, Celeste uh, from Kauai. You have a question. Hi. Yes, I do. Thank you so much for, for letting me uh, participate today. Uh, I have a question for Nate. Um, you know, just kind of for the general public, for, for people such as myself who believe in the cause and definitely want to see the living wage increase, um, how can we get involved? How can we advocate? What are some things that you suggest for us to do to make sure we see this initiative go through? Thank you much for the, for the question. Um, yeah, uh, as, a, as a state uh, that needs a, a bill to pass, uh, it's very important that people stay engaged and stay active. Uh, and so, uh, you know, here at Living Wage Hawaii, we try to empower people to, to be engaged. And so um, you can follow us uh, on social media at Living Wage HI or uh, sign up for our newsletter, livingwagehawaii.com. Uh, and we'll send out, um, you know, action alerts to make sure that people can um, do what's necessary to help move this bill along. Um, but for right now, um, since the Senate has already passed uh, uh, the minimum wage bill out of their committee, uh, the ball is in the uh, House chamber's court, right? Uh, it's up to the Speaker of the House, Scott Psyche, uh, to move uh, that minimum wage bill 
through the ranks, right? $18 by 2026 is what the Senate had passed out and what working families need and deserve. And so, A, uh, people can call and email Speaker Psyche, um, get a hold of him and ask that uh, he pass uh, the Senate version. Uh, or you can call your own representative and ask them, uh, will you please support the Senate version, $18 by 2026? Uh, making sure that representatives and especially Speaker Psyche hear from you um, would be very crucial in making sure they know um, that this is very important to working families. And uh, we uh, do appreciate Celeste calling in. We understand that she was traveling but uh, took the time to uh, to tune in uh, just to get plugged into to where we were at with this issue. And, you know, we are hearing that lawmakers want to help working families. Uh, Lauren Zerbel, executive director and president of the Hawaii Food Industry Association, points out that Hawaii is uh, one of the only states that actually taxes groceries. Uh, the best way to help working families, she says, is to continue advocating for the regressive taxes on groceries to be removed. Here's Lauren. We do understand that the legislature is under pressure to address the minimum wage, but we just ask them to take into consideration a few factors. The first is that Hawaii is already consistently ranked one of the worst states in the United States to do business, and that Hawaii employers shoulder a burden of paying full medical insurance coverage, which is a very costly mandate, and that should also be considered when looking at a minimum wage increase. The third thing is that minimum wage is not intended to be a living wage, it's intended to be a training wage. And so I think we need to have a discussion about is there room for having a training wage? What does that look like? And how can we kind of accommodate building people's skills? And the fourth is that employers can and do paid skill labor well above the minimum wage and will continue to do that without legislation changing the minimum wage. We have put forward a proposal that would increase the minimum wage by a dollar a year. So ending at $15 an hour in 2027, and we believe that that would really help to minimize some of the negative impacts on small local businesses who would be disproportionately impacted over larger multinational employers who have economies of scale and can pay to make the investment in automation, which maybe some small mom and pops can't do, and they might not be able to absorb the burden of a really dramatic and fast increase in labor costs. And that was Lauren Zerbel, head of the uh, Hawaii Food Industry Association. Jensen, what are your thoughts on what she had to say? I think I largely agree. And when we look at things like minimum wages, part of the problem is that typically people always like to look at the benefits, right? Of course, an artificially higher wage is very attractive. Frankly, it's a very attractive political mechanism as well because it imposes almost no cost on the political body and all the costs are passed on to the private sector. That's part of the reason why it's attractive politically, part of the reason why it's attractive socially. But what we need to understand about the minimum wage is that yes, what Nate said earlier is that minimum wages increase wages, but there is an asterisk next to that sentence. And what the asterisk says is that it increases wages for those who remain in the labor force. And this is the key point that we need to underscore here. Yes, the people who remain employed will see higher wages. But what the literature indicates is that most of the time, those increases in wages are largely offset by the cutting of fringe benefits, the cutting of hours, a restricted job market. And I understand that we need to help the working class here. 
And being opposed to the minimum wage doesn't mean that you are opposed to other solutions. The problem, largely the problem with minimum wages as well is minimum wages only tackle the symptoms and not the causes of our state's larger problems. I like to think that minimum wages are largely as coffee uh, is to sleep deprivation. Most of the time, if you're sleep deprived, you often use some sort of caffeinated beverage to treat the fatigue, but the solution to it is not more caffeine. The solution to it is more sleep. Minimum wages are largely analogous. Our cost of living is extremely high, right? And the largest determinant of our cost of living is the cost of housing. The solution to not only the working class, but everybody who lives in the state is not to raise the minimum wage, which in general is a very poorly targeted policy to actually help those in need. The solution is to lower the overall cost of living by getting rid of things like our onerous regulatory burden on the housing market that makes it difficult to expand the supply of housing, which if we did, would drastically lower the cost that for many people is taking up a significant fraction of their income. We're talking about rent, we're talking about mortgages, we're talking about all these things. So I think we need to shift from this idea of, yeah, let's tackle the symptoms, but we should really be looking at the causes and not looking at demonstrably ineffective policies that really impose a net cost and not a net benefit on those who need it most. This is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. If you're just joining us, this is a rebroadcast of a February call-in show where our panelists, Jensen Ahokovi, Research Associate of Grassroots Institute of Hawaii, and Nate Hicks, Director of Living Wage Hawaii, discuss the ongoing issue of raising Hawaii's minimum wage. Have something to add about this issue? Call our talkback line at 808-792-8217 or email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. Stay tuned. We'll be covering the concept of a training wage after this break. to the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. If you're just joining us, this is a rebroadcast of a February call-in show where our panelists, Jensen Ahokovi, Research Associate of Grassroots Institute of Hawaii, and Nate Hicks, Director of Living Wage Hawaii, discuss the ongoing issue of raising Hawaii's minimum wage. And Nate, this whole concept of a training wage that Lauren Zerbel brought up, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, so a lot of people, you know, try to say that uh, the minimum wage... Um, you know, isn't uh, intended to make sure people can afford their basic needs. Um, and, you know, that would be great if 
you know, all of the workers who needed to pay for their basic needs were paid a livable wage. But unfortunately, that's not the case, right? Um, there are over 200,000 workers in Hawaii making less than the $18 necessary to afford what they need to survive, right? And the unfortunate reality is um, keeping the minimum wage as low as it is continues to perpetuate these low wages for a significant amount of workers. More than one in three workers is paid less than a livable standard. And so because of this massive gap, it's absolutely necessary that we raise wages. There shouldn't be any full-time worker that can't just afford to pay rent. That's not any society that we want to live in. And so, you know, I do agree that making sure that costs are low is very important too. And that's why we advocate for a livable wage. And so if for whatever reason we can drop the cost of living to below 10 bucks an hour, well then great, the minimum wage can stay there. But that's far beyond the scope of within the legislator's power, right? You can look at Minneapolis, for instance. Um, their livable wage is $15 an hour already, and they have housing costs significantly less than ours, right? You can get a single-family home for about $200,000 there. So, um, you know, even if we were to drop our housing costs and drop a lot of other costs, people still need to be paid a lot more than $10.10 an hour. So, uh, the minimum wage is not a training wage. It's a very effective tool. And fortunately, um, it's something that we can do right now. Well, you know, like we heard the caller from Kailua, Richard, you know, he said he was paid a low salary, a low wage for four years, and his boss didn't do it until he was forced to do it. So, yeah, it's a dilemma. This is a rebroadcast of a call-in show, so no calls are being taken. You can share your perspective on raising Hawaii's minimum wage by writing to TalkBack at hawaiipublicradio.org or calling 808-792-8217. We do have another call from Maui, Sharon from McKenna. What's on your mind? Aloha. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, we, have been, we have owned our home for about 35 years, and we are residents on Maui, one of about three that live in our condo complex of over 100 units. The rest are all um, off-island second homeowners, and we have fought for years to get our association to pay our employees more. They have to work two and three jobs. They can't afford to live here on the wages that we are paying them. Some of these owners, more than half of them, are renting, making anywhere from ten to $40,000 a month in rent, rental income. And yet we are constantly told that they simply cannot afford to, um, to pay people more. But the fact is, as, as the last person just said, they can't afford to live. And so now we're talking to them. They're telling us that their family members are all moving away. We are constantly helping them with basic costs like car repairs um, to get their safety inspections done and dental and, you know, these, these just normal things that come up in people's lives. Um, and how do we expect people to work when they're not well? So really something needs to be done. And this argument that, that you know, the minimum, raising the minimum wage doesn't, you know, is just a fallacy is absolutely incorrect. We have to figure out a way to lift all boats. And as residents here who are retired and not working, we need to support our workers um, and we need to start supporting them now in really robust ways. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, uh, for for your uh, for your thoughts on this. Uh, Jensen, uh, 
what did you think about what she had to say? Listen, I mean, I completely sympathize. And full disclosure, I myself work part-time in a restaurant at minimum wage on tip credit. So, yes, the stakes are very high for me in this debate. But the reason why my position and many others oppose such a policy is particularly because the attractiveness often blinds many people from the realities of what minimum wage policies actually entail. First, let's look at big business. Everybody hates big business. But what many people don't realize is that minimum wages only serve to increase the market share of these big corporations that they seem to detest. Let's look at labor, right? Like I said earlier, it just doesn't bear out that minimum wages do not have any disemployment effect. They absolutely do. No matter how incremental and how long you choose to implement the minimum wage over time, there is always some sort of adverse employment effect associated with minimum wage increases. Now, what does that mean? That means not necessarily that we just ditch looking for solutions because there are legitimate proven solutions out there to helping the least of us. And those solutions are not to deal with the symptoms, they are to deal with the causes of our issues. When we look at cost of living, Hawaii is the most regulated housing market in the country. When we look at the amount of consumption or the amount, the, the fraction of income that is spent on housing alone, things like rent and other related housing related costs, it takes up a significant fraction of people's spending. Right? And what can we do to drive it down? Well, the consensus among economists is that the best way to drive housing costs down is to eliminate things like zoning and other land use regulations that make it difficult to expand the supply of housing, which will necessarily result in lower housing costs for everybody. Is this the only solution? No. But as far as the literature indicates go and, and, and whether or not we want to lower our cost of living, it is the most effective and it is the most proven solution. And when it comes to minimum wages, once again, I mean, I, frankly, right, I, I hear a lot that, you know, it's just a fallacy, it's not a good argument, you know, minimum wages don't reduce employment, but the, the data just doesn't bear it out. Take this, for example. So David Newmark, he's an economist over at UC Irvine, I believe. Most recently, uh, last year, he released a meta-analysis of every single U.S. published minimum wage study that has been done over the past 20, 30 years. And no matter how you decide to run the study, no matter what metric you use, no matter the methodology, the vast majority find that there are negative employment effects associated with minimum wage increases. And the strongest negative employment effects are largely concentrated among the young and inexperienced worker population. Well, Jensen, we appreciate you sharing that, you know, you supply your income, you know, and you rely on tips. I'm a tips. college student as well. Yes, right? I'm a, I'm yes. A, I'm a full-time college student, part-time restaurant worker, so I understand. Right? I understand what the calls are coming from. But once again, right, we have to deal with reality. Well, you know, I have come across so many people who are working two and three jobs to make ends meet. We have another caller on the line, Caleb from Holly Eva. Uh, you have a question? Yeah, so I actually have more like just like an obvious point I want to make out about like being in the, the number one industry here um, on the islands, which is obviously uh, tourism, I'm a surf instructor here in Haleiwa, and yeah, we get we get paid a minimum for each lesson, but in, in regards to how much time we put into that 
and what we're getting paid just straight from just being there, it's nowhere in comparison to what the tips we get. And the issue with that is, is that that's always hit and miss. And I feel like there's a lot of industry workers, whether it's the restaurant industry, the tourist, the tourist industry, that whether it's, it's being on the water or just doing regular tour guides, that the minimum wage most of the time is absolutely not going to be able to contain our way of life. And we have to constantly rely on those, those tips that we get. And that is just something that just fluctuates so much that we have nothing to really depend on, I guess, is what I'm saying. And that if, if, our, if our normal minimum wage was just even a little higher, that would give us a little peace of mind for those days where we don't get any tips whatsoever. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your situation. We have another call, Dave from Haula. Yeah, hi. You know, I wanted to talk about, you know, I agree with a caller that said minimum wage increase is, is just addressing the symptom. You know, it's not really going to address the problem. We do have a high cost of living. We do have, um, you know, we're in a tourist economy. So I think something that we need to think about is look at, look at the state of Nevada. They have zero income tax. Basically, because people come out of state, empty their pockets in casinos, and leave. All that money stays in Nevada. You know, why can't we change the income tax brackets here so the lower income especially are not paying income tax? We have some of the highest income taxes in the country. That way it rewards the people that are willing to work full-time jobs. Well, Jensen, do you want to weigh in on this or Nate? Yeah, I mean, the... Once again, I think the, the, the last caller, the most recent caller, really, really touches, touches on it. And, and once again, policies such as taxation and reducing the tax burden on the people who we're trying to support is most certainly one of the ways through which we try, and, well, one of the ways that has shown most effective. Now, I'm not a big fan of this policy, but it is a policy that has at least provided some some documented effect on, on poverty, especially in low-income brackets. That is the earned income tax credit. Right? We're looking at policies that try to attack the root, right? but that don't actually distort the labor market in such a way that leads to the fact that firms are no longer able to efficiently allocate resources where they need. Right? And this is part, part of the problem. Again, we go back to minimum wage. It is a textbook economics problem. Minimum wages are effectively a price control. And what price controls do is they distort the market's ability to be able to find equilibrium, right? And so, once again, that continues to distort the decisions of entrepreneurs and the decisions of firms to most rationally allocate resources where they need to go, which in turn increase the economic pie for all of us. But things like minimum wages really only concentrate benefits to a small group and pass off costs to a larger group. And things like looking at housing regulation, right? trying to reduce the cost of living by such a significant fraction, if we want to do that, it's housing regulation. If we want to target those who need the most support, let's lessen the tax burden. Let's look at things that restrict the entrepreneur from being able to provide goods and services to the community that needs it most. And, you know, once again, right, going back to minimum wages, once again, when we look at things like passing the cost off onto consumers, we also ignore the fact that I think that the 75% of the cost premium is passed off onto consumers. And when you realize that the majority of minimum wage work tends to be consumed by those of lower income, if we look at the
cost premium that's passed on, a disproportionate amount of people with low incomes or in poverty are consuming goods that would thus be increased as a result of things like minimum wages to help the workers who are providing goods. And so it's not all black and white. We need to add nuance, and we need to look at the policies that actually address the roots of the problem and not merely the symptoms. You know, we did talk to uh, Gary Hoosier, executive director of Pono Hawaii Initiative. Here's his position on minimum wage. The reality of today's economic environment is no one at all should be paying $10.10 an hour. That's the minimum wage now. If they are, shame on them. Most businesses are paying $15 an hour or so right now. Workers deserve a living wage. You know, anyone who is working 40 hours a week deserves uh, a roof over their head and food on the, on the table. And that's the bottom line uh, for a lot of people. We value our workers. Yes, prices will go up a little bit. I think a price of a plate lunch in 2026 might go up 60 cents or so. And I'm, for one, I'm willing to, to pay that 60 cents if it's going to mean workers are treated fairly. And, Nate, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, there are... I mean, one in three workers is paid below a livable wage, and that's nothing. That's something that none of us want to incur, right? Um, lowering the cost of living is a great uh, idea, but again, the, the amount that we can lower that to help address the need is very small, right? Um, taxes that low-wage workers pay uh, currently is around $1,000 a year. Um, housing costs, they could maybe decline, um, but nowhere to the point to get us to a 10-10 minimum wage, right? Um, and we've seen huge benefit uh, from our previous minimum wage increase. The unemployment rate um, in 2014, uh, when the minimum wage was $7.25, was 4%. Uh, when the $10.10 minimum wage came into effect in 2018, uh, the minimum wage, or, sorry, the unemployment rate went down below 2%, a record low. Uh, and so there have not, we, uh, Hawaii specifically has not seen um, these negative employment outcomes, right? Uh, workers have kept their jobs, gotten raises, and been able to afford more of the needs that they have, right? Um, this is the data here locally. This is what the state studies have shown. Um, and it's about time we start looking and following the data. This is the reality that workers are well below the $18 they need, um, and we have the toolkit uh, in our disposal by raising the minimum. You know, and uh, Gary Hooser uh, also brought up the issues of, you know, housing and some of the other things that the lawmakers need to be looking at uh, and not just raising the minimum. But uh, here's more of what he had to say. You know, workers have been stuck at $10.10 an hour for the last four years. The chair of the House, chair of the House Labor Committee, Richard Anishi, has refused to even hear a bill last session. Speaker of the House, Scott Psyche, has refused to move one forward. And I believe it speaks very poorly on a legislature that is dominated by Democrats, a legislature that every year talks about how they support the minimum wage. Workers are hurting. There are people living under bridges and in the bushes because they can't afford a roof over their heads. It is shameful. And Hawaii can do better. And our state legislature can do better. And thank goodness the Senate and the governor have stepped up and said enough is enough. $18 by 2026. The minimum wage is one very important component of making life affordable for the people of Hawaii. Housing is the other huge component. Affordable housing 
is non-existent for most people. So that needs to be dealt with. Low-income people are taxed too much, and there are some provisions to lower the taxes for low-income working people. I believe we should take the tax off of food and medicine, fresh food, not restaurant food, but fresh food. So when people go shopping at the supermarket or the farmer's market, they're not paying that extra 4.5%. But there's lots of things to do. The minimum wage increase is a foundational element that needs to be done, needs to be done now. And is there consensus uh, among uh, the two of you here, uh, Jensen and Nate, uh, about you know getting rid of some of the taxes on, on food like this? Absolutely. And Nate? Yeah, I support it for sure. But obviously that is a, such a small portion of the overall cost, right? The cost of living uh, for a single adult, adult uh, is around $39,000 per year. Um, removing $1,000 of taxes is, is great, absolutely should be done, but that brings the cost down to $38,000, which they're still going to need a you know $18 minimum wage to get there. So um, obviously I support it, um, absolutely should happen, um, but it's, a, it's a, a drop in the bucket compared to the gap uh, of workers who full-time are making only $21,000 a year now. We have another call coming in from the Big Island. Jim from Curtistown? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. What's on yes. your mind? Okay. Um, I'm 61 years old. I'm retired early because wasn't making much money, and the minimum wage is supposed to go up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I spent my life working hard and making, you know, giving a raise just to have it knocked back down by minimum wage going up. So I think really we ought to have the wage go up for everyone that's below livable wage, an equal percentage, just so people don't get sent backwards after working so hard. And my second point was when they built the Grand Wailea on Maui, the original company had built an apartment building to house their employees in and subsidize the housing. So that's another way that people can make it without higher wages if they have subsidized housing by their employer. Well, we thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts on this issue. And, yep, housing, uh, housing costs are through the roof, and, and uh, it, it is a dilemma that uh, we have to deal with. You know, we did uh, also reach out to Tom Jones. He's a co-owner of Giotaku Restaurants, and he was the past chair of the Hawaii Restaurant Association. Uh, he expressed his concerns about a hike in the minimum wage. If you look in a restaurant, the, the actual labor cost itself will run somewhere between 20 and 35% before benefits and for every dollar you spend on an employee you're pretty much spending about 30 more cents in in you know fica and other you know taxes fees benefits uh especially in hawaii we have mandatory health insurance from who works over 20 hours a week so right there alone it's 550 dollars or so at least 450 dollars if not 500 dollars i think it's around right now per employee for for their health insurance package per month, right? So that, you know, if they work 40 hours a week, you know, that's probably about another two and a half thousand hours that they're getting in health, you know, health benefits that that wouldn't happen on the mainland. You know, there's there's no other state that has has the prepaid health care act. So we're already, you know, way ahead on that. Something I think that, you know, the proponents of the minimum wage sometimes overlook how much more we're paying in, on those, you know, in those benefits. And Jensen, yeah, talk about those other costs, you know, for uh, for small businesses. 
I mean, I, I can't disagree with much of uh, what, what Mr. Jones just said. And this, this really brings in the other half of, of the debate that must be had on the minimum wage. Frankly, legislatures, the, the, the legislators are, are too focused on the amount of votes that they're going to get from the minimum wage. And they're not focused on the bad economics, the, the fact that minimum wage policies are bereft of sound economics. They're too focused on votes. They're not focused on the rationality and the possible consequences, not, well, not nearly possible, the almost guaranteed consequences of increasing these wages. I mean, we, we live in an age of growing technology as well. What we also ignore is the fact that minimum wages incentivize the growth of automation. If you go to a McDonald's here in Hawaii, or, or really anywhere, I can guarantee that what you'll find inside that McDonald's is fewer cashiers and more automated kiosks. Do we, do we want a world where minimum wages are incentivizing uh, the substitution of human capital uh, for, for machinery and other automated goods? No, not, not necessarily. I don't, I don't think so, right? Some jobs require human interaction, and those jobs, frankly, are the jobs that are most easily substitutable as a result of making human capital and human labor artificially more expensive. And so when we look at restaurants specifically, Right. I'm frankly worried that, once again, we have increased automation, minimum wage, besides the fact that there are obvious unemployment effects, obvious reduction in hours, obvious cuts of fringe benefits. We also ignore the fact that oftentimes we're ignoring the kids who are 15, 16, 13, 14 years old right now who want to enter the labor force in, say, 2026 or in 2030, 2034, and cannot because the barriers to entry that the minimum wage provides makes it difficult for the younger generation to enter the labor force because of the fact that the job that they would have had 10 years ago is now being managed by some sort of computer. And on that thought, we are going to a call from uh, Maui. Peter. Peter from Wailuku. Hello, hello. Oh, we might have yeah, lost. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Peter. I got on yes. So in my mind, when I was growing up, you know, our minimum wage jobs was basically for the the kids straight out of high school, here you can work, here's what you're going to make. But, I mean, in my mind, if, if you're trying to make a living on minimum wage, I think people need to set their goals a little higher because I don't think that's the intention of minimum wage. It's a living wage. It's just a starting point of the wage, basically. All right. Well, we thank you uh, for uh, participating in our show today. We've just got a couple of minutes. Final thoughts? We've got a minute each. Jensen? Yeah, I, I just implore people to understand that by virtue of being opposed to the minimum wage doesn't mean that I'm opposed to any solutions. The working class is facing significant challenges, and the way to solve those challenges are not by using demonstrably ineffective policies like the minimum wage. We need to lower the cost of living via deregulating housing, lowering the tax burden on low-income people, and not by using policies like minimum wage that only address the symptoms and not the cause. And Nate, final thoughts. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, again, uh, raising the minimum wage here in Hawaii has shown to be tremendously beneficial. The unemployment rate has lowered uh, during the time the minimum wage has increased. Employment hit all-time highs. Uh, and workers have shown have gotten uh, raises across the entire spectrum, not just low-wage workers, but workers at the middle as well. Um, this is a policy that has been effective in states across the nation. Uh, and, uh, fortunately, the Democratic Party uh, has supported this uh and so it's absolutely necessary that the uh, state, Senate, and the uh, House 
pass $18 by 2026 to make sure working families are paid the uh, wage they need to survive. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Nate Hicks, Director of Living Wage Hawaii, and thank you, Jensen Ahokovi, Research Associate of Grassroot Institute of Hawaii. And we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show, a rebroadcast of a show discussing Hawaii's minimum wage. Our attention's focused on House Bill 2510, which increases the minimum wage to $18 by 2026. It removes the earned income tax credit and also reduces the tip credit to $0.35 per hour beginning October 1, 2022. It is then eliminated January 1, 2026. The bill heads to the Senate floor for a vote tomorrow. Another bill, Senate Bill 2018, increases the minimum wage for certain employees to $18 by 2026. It's stuck in committee, so it's not entirely dead. The House could still pull the measure from committee and transmit it to the floor for a vote. Have a comment to share about today's show? Call our Talkback line, 808-792-8217. Email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. If you want to listen back to today's show, check out the conversation podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.